the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Faith Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. A service of the Salem. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. All civil authority has been delegated by God. Government rules, watch this, rules in the place of God. It is no different than, the, uh, than a husband ruling in the place of God in a home, whether he's godly or not. It is no different than in New Testament days, um, a master ruling over a slave, or today an employer, or a teacher, or even in the church, elders. It is no different than that. It is delegated authority. A statement like that raises some questions. Does God establish cruel governments? Does he establish governments that outlaw Christianity? Those are important questions, because if God does indeed establish all governments, then we need to obey them just as we need to obey God himself. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve is leading us in a series of studies taken from the third chapter of Titus that will help us to live godly lives in an ungodly society. As we've been seeing, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that God expects us to obey the government he places over us. There is one exception, and Pastor Steve will cover that in a few days. That is when the government commands us to do something God forbids, or forbids that we do something God commands. But for now... Let's consider the reasons why we are to obey. Here's Pastor Steve. Now, quite frankly, some American Christians don't think that, that they have to agree with this. They, they, they don't agree with what um, they're to do with this verse because they see our government is different. They, they hear this, uh, but they do not practice this. There are some Christians who don't think they need to obey the government, and I'll tell you why. They're thinking it goes something like this. We don't agree with what our taxes are being used for. It's our money. We're giving it to, to them. I'm not even going to give it to them, let alone obey what they say. I don't like what our government stands for. They don't like perhaps the speed limits the government imposes upon them. Why, why were there a few chuckles? Did I hear a few chuckles on that? They, uh, someone once said that the last thing to get converted is our right foot. Someone once said that. They don't like the speed limits imposed on them, and so they feel like uh, it's in the Bible, obey, but, uh, you know, there's no cars coming, and I don't obviously the government's made a mistake here, so uh, I'll go a lot faster. They don't think uh, the government is right on the restriction concerning licenses on certain things, so they don't feel they need to obey. Bureaucracy bothers them, and so they just forget that. Um, they, we, we certainly feel like uh, uh, the government is very liberal, so why do we have to obey this? We certainly abhor and despise the views that the government has on abortion, 
And so uh, we, we sort of have this attitude, at least many Christians do, that they know this is in the Bible. They know this. It's, it's in other places, too. First Peter speaks about this. Romans 13 speaks about this. And now Titus speaks about this. But somehow they're exempt from this. They're exempt from this. Now, I, I want you to know, in spite of what you might feel about our government, and no question about it, our government is anti-Christian and, and getting more so. Do you realize what the government uh, in, in Paul's day and in the Lord Jesus' day was like? Do you realize what the Roman government was like? I don't think many of us realize how bad it was. Take taxes, for example. Just taxes. Jesus said to pay them. He made very clear, said, look, show me the, show me the coin. It's got Caesar's uh, imprints on it. Give it to Caesar. It belongs to him. You didn't make it, did you? It's his. Give it back to him. But do you realize what that meant? It had an imprint of Caesar. I don't think we realize what that meant to the Jewish people, because we have on our coins presidents and, and uh, imprints and things like that. To a Jewish person in the first century, that meant idolatry. That was a graven image. A graven image. Not only that, but Caesar claimed to be God. The Jewish people believed that it was idolatry, and yet Jesus said, pay it, pay it. Even if you think it's idolatry, pay it. Now, the Roman government, let me just tell you how bad they were. They were not only idolatrous, they were morally perverted. You think things are bad now, you should read about the Caesars. Most of them were homosexuals. Um, many of them were incredibly gluttonous. Some of them actually killed their own families. Uh, they were morally perverted, tyrannical, oppressive, unjust, brutal. They practiced slavery. They persecuted the church. This was the government that put Paul, the same Paul who wrote Titus 3, put Paul in jail in Philippi and beat him illegally. This was the same government that put Paul in jail in Rome and sort of forgot about him for years. This was the same government that would eventually chop his head off after putting him in a horrible little dungeon in Rome. And I remind you, this was the same government that said, crucify the Son of God. It's about this government that Paul says, submit to it and every other kind of government. Now, I want us to think through this, because most of the time the Bible doesn't tell us just to do something, it tells us why. And in this case, while Titus, in Titus 3, we're not told why to submit, why we should submit to the government, Paul did tell us in Romans chapter 13 why we should submit to the government. You ought to understand what's behind this command. And so I'd like you to keep your place in Titus, but turn to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13 is the clearest explanation of submission and obedience to the government. Paul gives in Romans 13 four reasons why a Christian must submit to all civil authorities. And it would be wise of you to take this down. I've written on your notes the uh, main headings, but you can write underneath it. Number one, government is established by God. Romans 13, verse 1 says, For every person, let every person be in submission or subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. The institution that we call human government was established by God. He's the creator of it. He's the author of it. It was God who gave. Remember, the, you know what the first government was? The first government was Noah. After the flood, there, were, there was no government before. 
The first government was delegated to Noah. And basically, in Genesis 9-6, Noah and his sons are given authority that if anyone kills a human being, they're practiced capital punishment and they are to be killed. That was the first form of human government. But it, uh, it existed even then because God created it. That's where it came from. All civil authority has been delegated by God. Government rules, watch this, rules in the place of God. It is no different than the uh, than a husband ruling in the place of God in a home, whether he's godly or not. It is no different than in New Testament days, um, a master ruling over a slave or today an employer or a teacher or even in the church elders. It is no different than that. It is delegated authority. Now, this raises a very, very interesting question and point. Does God establish cruel and abusive governments? Many governments are cruel. Many governments are very abusive. Does God establish them as well? Well, we want the Bible to answer this. Let's look at Daniel chapter 2. We're going to have you all over the Bible today, but this is a very, very important subject, and that's why I wanted to take the time to explore it. I don't want to just pass over this lightly and say, hey, you're to obey the government, just go out and do it. Because God gives us reasons for it. In Daniel chapter 2, remember, Daniel was a prophet of God, but he was also a government official. Remember that? And you remember where he was a government official? He was a Babylonian government official, or I should say a Jewish boy in the Babylonian court. He was a man of God in an ungodly world. Exactly what we're facing. Although we wish we were as godly as, as Daniel. But Daniel told us in Daniel chapter 2, verse 21... He said, it is he, meaning God, who changes the times and epics. Watch this. He removes kings and establishes kings. God removes leaders and he establishes leaders. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Daniel's saying it is God who establishes who's going to be a leader and who's not. Daniel's writing about pagan nations. Same thing he said in Daniel chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. Now, the context is... God is telling Nebuchadnezzar, if you don't acknowledge that I established the government and I put you on the throne in Babylon, you're going to be like an animal. That's exactly what happened. Chapter 4, verse 16. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let a beast's mind be given to him and let seven periods of time pass over him. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers and the decision is a command of the holy ones in order that the living may know that the most high is ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whom he wishes and sets over it the lowliest of men. Nebuchadnezzar one day looked at his vast empire and he said, I did it. It's the work of my hands. And God says, you better change your mind about that or I'm going to give you an animal's mind. And Nebuchadnezzar at this point did not change his mind. And the statement here declares that it is God who put Nebuchadnezzar, as wicked as he was, on the throne. And it is God who can remove Nebuchadnezzar and put somebody else on the throne. Does God, uh, does God establish cruel and abusive governments? God establishes all government. Then look at John chapter 19. Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And uh, in John 19, we read this, verse 10. Pilate therefore said to him, you do not speak to me. I mean, are you silent before me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Can you imagine? Pilate is saying to the Son of God, the one who created government, Jehovah God in flesh, I have authority. 
<laughs> that's, that's a joke. And Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me unless it has been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me up to you has the greater sin. The Son of God is saying, you only have authority because I gave you that authority over me. I mean, that's an amazing statement. God gave authority to Pilate and to the Roman government. And this was the government that went on to crucify Jesus. Now, does this mean that God is responsible for the injustices of human government? Absolutely not. Is God the one who raises them up? Absolutely. Is God the one responsible for their sin? Absolutely not. God is not responsible for the sins of tyrants, but their authority to rule comes from him. It's no different than, than an unsaved or ungodly man leading the home. God is not responsible for his ungodliness. God has given him delegated authority. You know, when there's apostasy and false teaching in the church, we don't say, oh, uh, the church is nothing. It doesn't have authority or, or leaders in the church don't have authority. No, God has ordained the church. He's ordained the home. He's ordained government. So God is not responsible for the sins of an Adolf Hitler. Though God raised up that government. God is not responsible for the sins of an Ayatollah Khomeini, though God raised that up. He works all things, Ephesians 1.11 says, after the counsel of his good will. God is not responsible for the sins of communism, but God brought that about. He has allowed them to exist to accomplish his sovereign purposes. What are some of the sovereign purposes in government? Well, sometimes God establishes government in order to punish people. That's exactly why Nebuchadnezzar was in charge. Not because he was a good guy, not because God approved of his sins, but God raised up Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian government to punish Israel for their disobedience. God raised up uh, uh, Haman in the book of Esther, a little bit after Nebuchadnezzar, in the book of Esther, to teach God's people a lesson that they could trust him to protect him. In the case of Adolf Hitler, I can look at history and uh, while that was horrible wickedness, I could say that uh, the events of Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich actually brought about in the sovereignty of God the modern state of Israel. You study history, you understand that that brought about the good pleasure of God's will, even though Hitler was a madman and uh, we never approve of what, of what he did. So how or why a ruler comes to power does not determine our responsibility to submit. Even when evil men seize power, God permits their reign because he has a purpose to fulfill through their misrule. God is behind all governments, wicked rulers as well as good rulers. So we submit to the government, number one, because God has established it. There are no exceptions to it. God has established it regardless of how it came about. Secondly, second reason, why should we submit to a government? To resist government is to resist God. I mean, that's, that's just real clear in, in Romans chapter 13. Let me read this to you. Romans chapter 13, verse 2, Paul writes, Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. We just want to look at that first part. He who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. To, to not submit to the government is, in the final analysis, uh, analysis, to not submit to God. Just like a wife, if she does not submit to her husband, is really sinning against God. That's, that's the analogy here. 
It's delegated authority. If, um, if, for example, you as parents leave your children with the babysitter and you tell your children, listen, this person watching you has our authority. They have our authority to spank you. They have our authority to punish you. You listen to whatever this person says. That's delegated authority. And, and mom and dads are basically saying, if you don't listen to this person, it's like you're not listening to me because they are in my place. Why should we obey government? Whether you like the governments or not, they are in the place of God. We submit to the government because the government is established by God. To resist the government is to resist God. Third reason. To resist the government will result in punishments. You will not get away with it. It will result in punishments. Maybe not right now, but it will result in punishment. The end of verse 2 says, and those who, who uh, have opposed meaning opposed to government, will receive condemnation upon themselves. Now, what does he mean by this? He does not mean that if you disobey, the condemnation is hell. That's not what he's talking about. If you disobey the law, then God will punish you through the government. You see, the function of the government is to punish evildoers. That is the function of the government. And I know that in our world, the government has gotten into a lot of other areas, but that is the basic function of the government. Let's go back in our minds, as I said a few minutes ago, Genesis chapter 9 is the first establishment of human government with Noah. But before that, there was no government. Before that, there was no government. And what happens? What happened from the fall of man all the way to, to Noah? The Bible says such statements as it grieved God that he had ever made man because they were so wicked. The wickedness of man and the violence of man was continual. What? There's nobody to govern them. And that's when God brought about the flood. There was no human restraint imposed upon men and women. Things became so bad that God wiped them off of the face of the earth. But after the flood, God established civil government. Why? To punish evildoers and specifically the punishment, as we said before, of murderers. So government exists to punish evildoers. Also, it exists to reward good citizens. By not punishing them and to reward them. Verse 3 says, for rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to be uh, to have no fear of authority? And the word fear means like a phobia, a trembling. Then do what's good and you'll have praise from the same. Government should not bother you if you obey them. Verse 4 says, for it is uh, a minister, meaning the government is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing, for it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Government stands in the place of God, and they act as his ministers. Now, they may not know him personally. Um, they, the uh, government is a servant of God. They are not just public servants. They are called ministers because they minister in his place. They punish evil. They are, you could put it this way, the, the uh, policemen and government leaders are God's deacons in society. That's just what they are. They're God's deacons in society. Uh, but they may not, as I said, they may not know him personally, but they represent him. And verse 4 says that they are ministers of God to you for good. For good. That's to say that government protects us from evil. And this is, this is true in Scripture. That's illustrated in Scripture. Remember Paul 
in um, what was in danger. The Jewish people were about to kill him in, uh, in Jerusalem. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. I appeal to Caesar. And they couldn't do anything to him. In Acts chapter 19, in Ephesus, the town clerk rescued Paul from a mob ready to kill him. That's, that's an illustration of how this works. Now, let me say this, that government may have its own ideas of what evil might be. Uh, but the design of government is to punish evil as they see it. Uh, for example, they punish Paul as an evildoer, even though Paul in reality was not an evildoer. But in their minds and in their value system, Paul was an evildoer. But the design of government is to punish evil. And it speaks about they, they hold the sword. The sword in the Bible is a symbol of civil authority's power to put people to death because Roman magistrates have their sword at their side. It means that they have the authority to punish people. So why do we submit to the government? Number one, God established it. Number two, to resist is to resist God. We don't want to resist God. They're not, the government's not just floating out there by themselves. You answer to God on this. And number three, that, that, uh, that to resist brings not only uh, punishment from, uh, from God, but it brings it through government, through his services, through his servants, rather. There's a fourth reason, and it is morally right to submit to the governments. Notice verse 5, morally right. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. That's a great expression for conscience sake. We don't obey the government only because we fear getting punished. I mean, that's a legitimate concern. You ought to be concerned about being punished. Nobody likes to be punished. But we obey the government because our conscience tells us it's morally right. Let me illustrate it this way. You're driving down the street, and you look behind you, and you see a police officer. Once again, there are chuckles. I don't know why that brings chuckles when we speak about speeding and things like that. But anyway, you're driving down, and you know what the first thing you do? You put your foot on the brake, right? You put your foot on the brake. Why do you do that? Well, you ought to do it for two reasons. Number one, reason number one is you don't want to get a ticket. That's, that's because you fear punishment. You don't want to get a ticket. But a better reason than that a better and higher motivation is because God said, obey the government. And the government says you ought to go this limit in, uh, in, in the traffic and uh, on your speedometer. You see, you don't just obey because you're afraid of the consequences. You obey because it's morally right to obey. You have a moral obligation to obey the government. And not just, not just talking about speeding, but all things. We have a moral obligation to obey God who says obey the government. And this gets back to Titus chapter 3. So let's return to Titus chapter 3. It gets back to this whole thing because Paul said that we are to submit to our secular, often anti-Christian governments. But you know what? All citizens know that. You don't need me to tell you that. that you're to, you, you, you know that legally you are subject to the state. You don't, you don't need me to tell you that. And Paul wasn't just telling them that. They knew that. The Cretans knew that. They're part of the Roman Empire. They knew that. Paul is saying something else. Paul is saying, well, you are legally to submit to the government, and everybody knows that. What Paul was doing is saying you are to willingly submit to the government in attitude. It is a conscience moral issue. You have a moral responsibility not just a legal responsibility. 
Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this three-part message on the Christian's obligation to obey his government next time on Verse by Verse. It is part of a series of lessons on godly living in an ungodly society. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith-based ministry, and we are grateful for the caring listeners whose prayers and gifts keep these classes on the air. Visit our website, versebyverseradio.org, to learn more about us and how you can be part of the Verse by Verse support team. You will also find today's and other previous classes available in MP3 format at our website. The address again is versebyverseradio.org. To order a CD or cassette with this whole three-part message, call us at 727-239-0306. If there is no answer, leave your name and a number and we'll get back to you during regular business hours. There is a movement today among evangelicals to attempt to change our ungodly society and government and direct it more toward the values we hold dear as Christ followers. The sentiment is a good one, but we are getting the cart before the horse. One of several dangers Dr. John MacArthur listed in a message on the dangers of moralism is that any attempt to change morality is doomed to failure if there is no change to the heart. All we do is redirect the sin. As we will see on the next verse by verse, even if we could somehow clean up our society. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.